A gentleman's agreement is the most destructive thing in a relationship between men. And frankly, it's the most destructive thing in any sort of committed relationship, period. Yeah. You need to be very clear that if you're working with people and, and, and man to man, if you're working with men, and I do a lot of work, I do a lot of work yeah. with women inside my business work, but inside my, my relationship and marriage work, I work with men. Right. And I will never let a man get away with anything. I mean, if he thinks he's yeah. going to get away with anything and he's in my circle or he's one of my clients, he's got another thing coming. Like I said, you're either going to get out of your comfort zone or you're going to tell me to F off. <laughs> Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I've got an amazing, amazing guy today who's come on the program. His name's Nikki Ballou, has an incredible, incredible uh, story. He has a podcast called The Thought Leader Revolution Podcast. He basically uh, created a, a business around health transformation with Mark McCoy and Donovan Bailey, two gold medalists, Olympic medalists. And we talk about how he created that. And then he went on to being an accountability head coach for uh, CEOs. And basically, he spent his career coaching leaders to be and operate at an amazing level. In this podcast, literally, he, he shows best practices by asking me questions. And then I ask him questions and really, really sharing the value of being in action and networking and and creating value uh, with each other. So I can't recommend enough listening to this podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. And like he, he asked for who I could meet and who I'm looking for is amazing young leaders. So if you know of any amazing young leaders, please send them my way, studentworks.com slash podcast. Um, and we've got information there for you. And uh, we would love to have your uh, any leaders that you know reach out to me also at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Have a fantastic day. Thanks so much. So, Nikki, uh, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Chris, man, it's an honor to be here. I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm pumped. So am I. So am I. I'm really, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, one of the great things about networking is you meet really neat people. And uh, that's what I've got you classified as. And I'm really excited to be doing uh, a podcast. It's really great. There's a whole whole group of things that um, Nikki and I have done, you know, learning and different different experiences. And, and so uh, uh, that, that we've both done. But I'm, uh, one of the things we both did is we both went to the University of Toronto back in the the 80s so you know who were you as a as, as a student you know what what were your some of your frustrations or what 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 was Nikki about that's a fantastic question you know I was a great high school student I did really really well in high school and for the first six months of my university career I also did really really well and then I didn't do as well and my uh, success in university kind of plummeted and outside of economics, my, my grades went down. And same in second year. And I just hadn't figured it out. I, I hadn't figured out how to win a, in university yeah. yet. Then in year three, man, I kind of buckled down and I said, I'm going to win. Like I just decided right. in my head that I was going to win. And at that point in time, I started to take courses which were more interesting to me. I started to have a peer group of people around me that were all wanting to be good at what they did. And so that encouraged me to elevate my game. And I had some incredible professors. A professor of my business law course was awesome. Professor Richard Greger, who taught international relations, he was a bit of an intimidating, foreboding figure, but he was also brilliant. And he was a, a man who was originally from uh, to the United States and then to Canada. 
And this man was incredible. You know, he was a champion for freedom. He was a staunch defender of the Western way of life. And he was very staunchly anti-communist, as was I. So it was wonderful being right. part of Richard Greger's class. And then that led me to have great success in third year university. And then in fourth year, I even elevated my game further. So which was almost a full uh, grade point up from year, year, year three, excuse me, from year two, which was 2.5. And then in year four, I had a 3.77 GPA. So that was kick-ass and awesome. And from there, I went to the next level with getting into graduate school, man. And, and, and I crushed it in graduate school. It was fantastic. Fantastic. So it really is interesting how working with people who, really are taking life seriously makes all the difference, right? That's, 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 you know, obviously having those key mentors are really important, but just kind of being in that group. Okay. I'm going to take life seriously. So what did you study in graduate school? I studied business and I studied international relations. Again, it was, it was around the end of the cold war. It was 1989 and I went to Georgetown okay. university, you know, and that was the epicenter of the free world, Washington, DC. George H.W. Sure. Bush was president. The Berlin Wall had fallen. It was an incredible time. And I love business. So I was studying both of those things. And, and, and it was just an incredible time to be alive, to be a student in Washington, D.C., and to be a champion for freedom, man. It was incredible. Loved it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And, and so, so you, you, you come out of Georgetown, U of T, two spectacular institutions. What were you looking for? What career path had you decided on, or what, where were you? What were you thinking? No, brother, I was a little bit lost. There was a part of me that thought, okay. hey, maybe I should continue and go get my PhD. Another part of me said, go into business. Mm -hmm. Another part of me said, hey, you should go get a job. My parents thought I should go get a job. So, a lot of students, I was a little lost. It took me about a year and a bit to find a, a good career track. And at that time, I started to work for a company called Unitel. And that was uh, the first Canadian competitor to Bell Canada in the long distance market. And I stayed with Unitel when AT&T bought them for four and a half years, right? Four and a half years of being in a, in a corporate pr company. And I realized that I absolutely hated it. I wasn't cut out for this. So then an entrepreneurial company came along called ClearNet PCS and I, I jumped ship. I went to Clarinet and that was a lot of fun. Right. It was like working in Silicon Valley in Toronto, you know? Exactly. So, so really, really being involved in the tech space, what sort of skills, mindsets, habits did you learn working with those companies? Well, you know, I learned about work ethic in a big way, especially at Clarinet. I mean, we work 12, right. 13, 14 hour days, sometimes six, seven days a week. But I also learned about the importance of being a mission-driven organization and having something that you were excited about more than you were about just your own success. That was very powerful right. stuff, being at ClearNet. It was singularly my favorite job by far and away. I had a great boss uh, when I started in, in that she taught me a lot, but we clashed a lot as well. We remain great friends right now. Her name's Gail Duncan. She's absolutely incredible. So if she ever listens to this, shout out to Gail. She really helped set me up on a trajectory of success. And after a year of ClearNet, my father, who had a, a company of his own doing import-export in the Middle East of medical equipment, asked me to come join him for a bit. And it was the wrong time. The timing was all terrible because the price of oil plummeted. Right. And so the work that was supposed to be there for me just did not materialize. It, it, it disappeared. My, my father's company just didn't do the business they expected to do. So after a few months over there, I, I, I hightailed it back to Canada with my tail between my legs. Ah. And it took me three or four months before I finally found a job with another telecom company called, you know, Accent. And Accent right. was a CLEC, right? So they were competing in the local business. And after that, uh, uh, they bought um, an internet company called Pathway Communications, and I was moved over to Pathway, and I was scared out of my mind at Pathway. I had no idea how to sell in this digital space, but, you know, I was working between Christmas and New Year's, and I met a man by the name of Ross Morley, and Ross Morley was working for Beer.com, right? Beer.com wanted to launch a cool new platform for Stella Artois beer, and Ross and okay. I, we hit it off. 
and he was coming to buy a $30 a month product. And eventually he ended up giving me a half a million dollars worth of business. Wow. And that really set me up on a trajectory of success. That was my biggest sales success up until that point uh, in that world. I became known as a star around the company. And a short while after that, another company gave me a huge offer called Jaws Technologies. So I went and I started to work for Jaws, selling basically IT security services. And I got promoted to director of sales. I had 14 direct reports for me. We had huge opportunities to sell what we did to Verizon and things were going well. And then just weeks before 9-11, I'm, I'm talking about like less than two weeks before 9-11, Jaws went bankrupt. They owed me a lot of money oh, wow. then, paid me my commissions. And 9-11 then hit in the market tank. I wasn't able to get a job. And that's when I really started to figure out, my God, what am I going to do here? You know, I went back to Pathway. They brought me on on a consultative basis. I was with them for six months. It didn't really work out. Then I met somebody and we got married uh, five months later. And Right. I was still lost trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. I knew I didn't want to work for anybody else, but I didn't know how to how to be successful working for myself. And one of my then wife's friends said, hey, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I think I kind of like the fitness world. I'd like to coach some people. So she was really encouraging me, but I wasn't feeling in a mood to be encouraged. I was actually feeling really down and sorry for myself. Right. The next day, someone called me and said, hey, I hear you're a fitness trainer. I need a fitness trainer. And so my wife's friend had got me my first client. Fantastic. It was unbelievable. So I was off into the races. And then I had a friend who I'd done some personal development courses with. I called him. He hired me to, to train him. And he paid me a whack of money. At what, what at the time was a whack of money. I think it was $5,000. It was like more money than I'd made working for myself ever. Right. I, I took it and I started training him. and you know, working with him, he sent me a bunch of other clients, which was fantastic on his part. And then I became friends with, actually, let me back up. I, I called an old friend of mine who introduced me to Mark McCoy. Mark McCoy was the first Canadian in 60 years to win Olympic gold in track and field back in 92, the Barcelona Olympics with 110 meter hurdles. So I became friends with Mark. Mark introduced me to Donovan Bailey. We created a company called Transform, T-R-A-N-Z-4-M.com. And we brought the fitness methods of champions to the regular marketplace. And we had another partner. And on paper, it was great. I wrote a great book with Mark uh, and Donovan. You know what? Let me see if I can grab a copy of it because I should be able to share this with your people. Oh, wicked. Yeah. So this is it. This is Transform. Mark McCoy signed it for me. Fantastic. Really a great group. And he was a real icon. Obviously, Donovan and Mark McCoy were were just, you know, huge, huge names at that point. Uh, incredible athletes, worldwide athletes. Yeah, huge, huge. So I had a brand and, and I created a, a following amongst an entrepreneurial and CEO set around the work I did. We started to write a, a weekly column for the Metro newspaper, Donovan, Mark, and I, I mean, I wrote it, but their names were on it as well. And right. Mark and I would talk about the content of it, but Donovan wasn't all that interested. God bless him. Right. But his name was on it. It got us the deal. So we had that going for almost two years. And then, you know, the partnership fizzled out. I, I'm still friends with Mark. I'm not as close to Donovan, but, you know, I still keep in touch with him. And um, I right. became uh, a fitness guy on my own. I created a brand called the CEO Health Coach. Started coaching CEOs well, all around the country. I spoke at uh, a ton of CEO peer groups like Tech, uh, like uh, PEO, and you name it. Like I, I must have done a, a couple dozen talks, and I helped these guys get healthy and fit. Why don't we step back? So you bump into Mark McCoy because a lot of times, a lot of times our leaders are going, "Well, how, do, how does you know?" Like I get how it happens, but why does Mark, do you think, get attracted to you? What made that work? You know, that relationship, you know? Look, I'll tell you, I asked. I asked if he'd like to work with me, if he'd like to do stuff with me. Okay. It's that simple. People are afraid to ask. Like, yeah. look, I have a client today, right? And he's great. I love working with him. He has a business partner. His business partner's never worked with us. And I told him, look, you should get a podcast going. 
and I pitched him on creating his own podcast. Okay. And he right. said, okay, cool, cool, cool. Now his partner said, no, great. But I asked this guy, listen, have you thought about doing it without your partner? Well, at the end of the day, he won't. Cause you know, his partner wants to do this and his partner's cheap and doesn't want to spend the money and whatnot. But if I didn't ask, I wouldn't even have the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Right. And here's what I'm going right. to tell all the people listening to your show. Ask, ask for what ask. you want. Look, yeah. you called me and you asked if you could be on my show and if I could be on yours. Yeah. If you hadn't asked, you wouldn't have, we wouldn't be you doing wouldn't have had this happen today. Wayne Gretzky said you yeah. missed a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Look, in our first conversation, I told you I'm putting a peer group together. Would you like to, would you like to join us? And you said, look, I'm already in a peer group, Yeah. but yeah. if I hadn't asked, it wouldn't even be a possibility in our mind for us to do this. And, and I thought to myself, yeah. okay, he said, no, it's all good. I still like the guy. I still want to do his show. Yeah. I got a feeling we're going to do more than this show together. I don't know why I got that feeling, but yeah. I got a feeling we're going to do more than this show. Maybe you're not going to say yes to me, but maybe you're, you're going to run across a guy Who's like going to say, man, I'm down on the dumps, whatever, whatever. Maybe you're going to run across a guy. Like, I think I told you, I, you know, I'm a separated and divorced father. And I work with a lot of guys who do that. I don't advertise it, but you you might run into a buddy right. of yours who just said, my wife kicked me to the curb. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And you're going to go to him and you're going to go, you know what? I just talked to this guy, Nikki Ballou. Give him a call. I'm going to call Nikki on your behalf to let him know you're going to call him, but you need to give him a call. That'll save that guy's life. Yeah. He might put his marriage back together because of that. He might at least not get, excuse me for saying and using this horrible term, divorce raped. You know what I mean? He might at least be able to like, yeah. like hold his head up high and get through the process. And and still, if his marriage isn't put back together, at least his kids and, and, and his wife will still, still be taken care of while so will he. He won't be destroyed like a lot of men are in this situation. Right. And it's only because I asked. If you don't ask, you yeah. don't get. Life is about putting yourself out there and asking for what you want. You got to ask yourself, you got to yep. ask others, and you got to ask God. And I got this from Mark Victor Hansen on interviewing him on, on my show one time. I love it. No, I love it. And I think that's so powerful. And and I and I and I wanted to get to that just because again, you know, Mark McCoy, hey, a world record holder. A lot of people wouldn't ask. And hey, what you know, hey, why do I think I can ask? Simple. You can ask, right? And again, you created something really powerful. And then on top of it, it became a, a legacy that you lived on with. So I know you you were the CEO health coach. So what did you what did you create in that business? And and how how were you able to create what you created with your CEOs? So I created a program to help busy CEOs be able to work out uh, less than they expected they would need to and still get really great results. And, and I put together a nutrition plan that they could follow. And I also coached them and kicked their butt and, you know, made sure they stayed on track. If you were to ask me, Nikki, what is your single uh, greatest, what sets you apart from other people who do what you do in the world? I'll tell you what it is. I am the man who will make you take action in an area of your life where you don't really want to. That's the bottom line. Like, I did it as a CEO coach. I've done it in business coaching. I've done it in the peer groups that I run. I do it. If you come into my world and you say I got a problem and you're not acting, you stick around me, you're either going to act or you're going to tell me to F off. One of those two is going to happen. <laughs> you know, there's a fierceness about you that just, you know, again, our leaders get. And uh, fierceness is power, right? And again, it's not, I, I'm sure as well, you, you know, again, what you're saying is, is, hey, you're telling me you got a problem. Okay, well, hey, let's do something about it. You're not going to sit there and, hey, you got a problem. Like, really great people, to me, that's so important. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of people tell each other their problems. And the, and the trick is, you tell me your problem and let me get away with it. I'll tell you my problem and let me get away with it. No, real friends say, no, what are you going to do, Nikki? Chris, what are you going to do? What, what, how are you going to get out of that? And you're accountable for it. You're responsible. What next step are you going to take? That's so powerful. You know, one of my mentors is a man by the name of Justin Sterling. He created a program called the Sterling oh, yeah. Men's Weekend and the Sterling Women's Weekend. In fact, he was originally known for creating programs for high-powered women. But he calls what you just described a gentleman's agreement. I won't call you on your BS if you don't call me on my BS. A gentleman's agreement is the most destructive thing in a relationship between men. And frankly, it's the most destructive thing in any sort of 
committed relationship, period. Yeah. You need to be very clear that if you're working with people and, and, and man to man, if you're working with men, and I do a lot of work, I do a lot of work yeah. with women inside my business work, but inside my, my relationship and marriage work, I work with men. Right. And I will never let a man get away with anything. I mean, if he thinks he's yeah. going to get away with anything and he's in my circle or he's one of my clients, he's got another thing coming. Like I said, you're either going to get out of your comfort zone or you're going to tell me to F off. <laughs> well, and there's there's no integrity to doing that. No. Right? How, you know, again, how can I consider myself a coach if I'm not going to hold someone accountable to what they want? And I know, you know, one of the things that really attracted to me was, you know, just the powerful coaching that you're doing and the results that you're getting in the world. You know, so what do you think is most important about being a, being a successful coach? Look, honestly, I got to tell you, I don't even call myself a coach. Like, uh, first okay. and foremost, I think that if, if someone's listening to this and they're a coach or a consultant or a speaker or a trainer or a facilitator, stop calling yourself that crap. Okay. Because honestly, right. nobody but you cares about those terms and they actually limit you. Right. So right. the key thing you got to get, and this is, this is a point that I make in one of the books I've written, which I'll share here. This book's called The Thought Leader's Journey. And then there's another book written. Um, I, I just moved my screen down because I'm pulling another book out yeah. from the shelf over here by one of my mentors. It's called The Thought Leader Practice. And we both say, okay. stop calling yourself that you are a thought leader. And a thought leader is someone who's known for having a, some expertise. And the way you deliver that expertise can be through coaching, it can be through speaking, it can be through authoring a book or a podcast, it can be through training or facilitating, it can be through mentorship. There are six modes, modules of delivery. So myself, I use all six of those. So right. give you an example. You told me you run a company. One of the things that uh, we're looking at approaching a number of companies with is we've teamed up with uh, an outfit out of Australia called Performance by Design. These guys do training to create uh, extraordinary cultures, right? They have right. Uh, a guy in Australia who was a top Australian rules football player. Right. He then became a coach. He, he was hired to work with the last place team because he was a champion as a player. Within two years, they were champions. And then right. he left and he went to another team that was the last place team. Within two years, they were champions. So everyone goes, okay, okay. His name is Paul Ruse. And they called him Ruse when the Australian accent, Ruse, Ruse, how'd you do it, mate? How'd you do it, Ruse? So he said, well, I've got a system I work with here, right? And then so a bunch of corporations who knew this guy go, Ruse, you think you can do this for our corporate teams? What, what? And then Ruse goes, yeah, we can do this for our corporate teams. So he created a program. And what he does is he goes into teams that are performing from poorly to performing well, and he takes them to the next level. And I just went through their training, man. It's rock star level stuff. And I'm thinking, you know what? I haven't been doing a lot of training. I do a lot of facilitating. I do a lot of coaching. Right. I do a lot of speaking, and I do a lot of offering. I haven't done a ton of training. I'm going to do start doing some training. I'm going to approach everyone I know who's a CEO, and I'm going to go, hey, listen, would you be interested in having your team raise their performance? Do you know a single CEO was going to say, no, I think our team doesn't need to ever raise their performance. They're all going to go, sure, Nikki, I'd love to have my teams raise their performance. And here's the second question I'd ask them, Chris. I go, hey, if you're an Ontario-based corporation, how would you like at least 60% of that to be yeah. refunded by the government? Paid for. Chris, what would your answer yeah. be? Sure, I'm interested in finding out how that could be possible. You'd be a complete fool yeah. if the answer was anything other than that. And Soto Voice, the, uh, the Canadian government has a, a, a grant for employees to go through training programs to be trained. 60 to 80% of that money will be refunded. So for a $25,000 training program, you're going to pay a maximum of $10,500 and you're going to be, you're going to get your people trained to be able to go to the next level and create greater results. And what this does is it has people look at, you know, what are the, the real values of the company? What are the conversations that aren't being had? I mean, we did that inside our company and we were a small company. And there were some conversations we weren't having. You know what I'm saying? That just we yeah, just sure. like you know, they call it the turds in the punch bowl. There were turds in our punch bowl. Right. So, so <laughs> I just thought, oh my God, this is amazing. So 
I'm going to be doing this. So the first thing you got to do is you got to step out of, I'm a coach mode. You got to step into, you have expertise to impart to people. And you as a CEO, you coach, you train, you speak, you do all this other stuff as well. I look at myself as a CEO. Now I'm a CEO of a small outfit right now, but I'm a CEO who brings thought leadership into how I, I work with my clients and how I work with the people that are a part of our, our, our team. And that's what I say is the most important thing. You and I, we've learned things throughout our life. We've learned things throughout our, our careers. And the problem is there are things we've learned that we don't even, we don't even know we've learned them, but we've learned them. If someone Absolutely. else came and 100%. spoke to us, you understand what I'm saying? They would go, Definitely. they wouldn't just say, hey, Chris, you're a great speaker. You're a great motivator. They'd go, Chris, your real talent is you have the ability to ignite passion in people. And you'd probably go, huh, I never thought of it that way, but that's true. I do ignite passion in people, right? And that's a whole different way of looking at what you do than I'm good at promoting, I'm good at selling, because that's just a surface level yeah. thing. The, the thing that's below means that you can apply it to more than just selling, more than just promoting. So I told you before, what am I good at? I'm good at pu pushing people out of their comfort zone. I'm Mr. Urgency. I'm Mr. Do it now, do it now, do it now. So right. how many different types of problems does that solve? That solves a problem for people who need to lose weight who are CEOs. That solves a problem for people who are stuck with their marriage collapsing around them, who are frankly hurting too much to be able to think properly and act. That solves a problem for companies who are looking to grow. That solves a problem for companies who need to look at their culture and elevate it so that the organization can scale bigger and better. Because between you and me, you know, any CEO should be spending, in my opinion, most of their time working on the business, not in the business. And what yeah. they need to be yeah. working on the business on is people with stuff and really big deals that your regular salesman can't get. Like the kind of deal that a single deal could like grow your company 24. That's your business. job as a CEO and people issues. Nothing else is your job as a CEO. No offense. Nothing else except, you know, having the quarterly meetings and shareholders and making sure yeah. the numbers work and all that. But that should be like 10, 20 percent of your time. 40 percent of your time should be spent on people issues. 40 percent of your time should be spent on getting game changing sales. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And I, and I love like I think there really is something to, you know, the whole thought leader uh, space and, and really as well recognizing what you don't know about yourself, because, you know, it's, it's, we started as, as, as you know, we started reaching out to people about our program and about the success that we're having in our program. And it's been remarkable. The responses we're getting, oh my God, you guys have created that. You guys have done that. And really hearing about what we're doing and how unique it is, you know, because we're living in this world, we're not really aware of how unique what we're doing um, is. And, and so that's something that's really, really powerful when you get out and communicating with others. 100%, my man, 100%. And when people understand how what you do is different and it solves problems that are relevant to them, they're more interested in hearing from you and they're more interested in working with you. Exactly, exactly. So with, I know the latest thing you're, you're, you're involved with is this million dollar clinic. Yeah. Can you describe what that is and what you're up to there? So I work with my better half. So she's a pretty remarkable lady, right? So I'll tell you some of the quirky things about her. So she's in her mid fifties and in her late forties, she decided she wanted to set a Guinness world records to run 12 hours on a treadmill. Wow. So she didn't do that once. She didn't do that twice. She did it three times. Three Guinness World Records for running 12 hours on a treadmill for women. Fantastic stuff. She also is like a fitness nut. She teaches spinning classes. And back in the days before COVID, there were lineups of people waiting to get into her class. Like they were like fully subscribed and, and so forth. So that's her thing. Now, on top of that, business-wise, she happens to have been one of the top results coaches for Anthony Robbins. So she's been working with okay. entrepreneurs for like five years plus. So, you know, she knows all Tony's methodology and brings it. And she works with all kinds of people. And she ran private clinical practices for 20 years plus dental clinics, psychology clinics, multidisciplinary clinics. And here's one of the things we found out. Most clinical owners are great healers, 
they are not great business people. And life has taught them they need to be both. The problem is that they haven't been trained to be both. So they fail. They succeed at one at being a great healer and they fail at the other, which is being a great business owner. And Million Dollar Clinic is a program that is really Teresa's genius and brainchild with my stuff on thought leadership because most of these guys right. don't stand out and they're they're like everybody else. So she shows them yeah. everything they need to do to systematize their processes, yeah. get patients back in, you know, to get partnerships set up. And I show them how to be a thought leader to stand out. And that has them go from struggling and being on a plateau to a growth to judging. Let me give you a couple of examples. We have two clinical practice owners we work with now. One is a chiropractor and he he has a bit of a multidisciplinary practice, but mainly chiropractic. And the other is a naturopathic doctor. So the chiropractor during COVID, everybody's shut down. They're not seeing patients. Well, we helped him find a way that he can continue to serve patients, right? And still stay on the right side of the rules and the law. Right. The, the naturopathic doctor, the same. In his case, he has kept 88% of the revenues that he made from last year in this year's practice. Now, buddy, remember, they were closed for three months, right? That's an insane exactly. success. That's incredible. It's not that. So, yeah. And we helped him be a thought leader because he's really good at treating scoliosis. And scoliosis is, is nasty stuff, and not everybody is good at it. So he's a thought leader in scoliosis. People starting to know that he just got 12 new scoliosis patients. Pretty cool stuff. Fantastic. So naturopathic doctor, she also worked during COVID. And in the last three months, she actually dramatically surged her income because we helped her, you know, reach out to past patients and use her thought leadership. So she 3X'd her income, her monthly revenue from last year. So she is right now going to crush last year's revenue this year. And think about that. She was closed officially for three months. Again, we helped her do business during this time. Now tell me, this is not something most clinical practice owners right now are doing. They're not. Yeah. They are. Their revenues are down. They're not getting patients back in. They're scared. They're, they're tired. So there's that problem. And so we have a program that helps them just deal with all this so they can scale their practice. They can even step out of it if they want to be want to. They can create a second location. That's what Million Dollar Clinic does. Now, there's another aspect of Million Dollar Clinic, which is all around training. And this is where we're really interested in training and bringing it to more people, even outside of the clinical side, because like, I think the stuff that my buddy is doing for culture is incredible. I think everybody should know about it. You should know about it. I should connect you with him. His name's Emil Stutum. Right. We should do a Zoom call. You guys should talk. I think it's going to be, we should all talk. I think it's going to be very valuable, very interesting. But most of these folks, front desk is the most important position in that uh, clinical practice because they speak to all the patients, they bring them back in, blah, yes. blah, blah. So most of the front desk people are either wrong people in the job or they're not trained on how to do the job properly. They're not bringing patients back in. They're not using their personality. So Teresa says, hire for personality and then train them. And she's got a program to train these people on how to feel, A, excited about the culture of the clinic they're in, but B, about how to do their job so they can really grow the practice. Because that front desk person can get all those patients coming back the in. They it. can call the yeah. people back. This is fabulous stuff. And again, we're going to use the government's money to get some of this training money repaid to the clients. So we think it's going to work out really well. In my opinion, honestly, this is horrible to say. I think the training is going to be more popular with the docs because I think a lot of them are going to have trouble admitting to themselves that they need help on the business end. But for those that do need help on the business end, yeah. we're going to sit down and help make that happen. Well, I, I think the reality is I think you've, you've, you're working a really important niche is, is that they're academically, they learn how to do a really great job at their role. And, you know, like as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about all the medical or sorry, dental or chiropractic or different practices. No one's asked me for a referral. No one's asking me like, like they're, they're, they're not doing common business practices that will help grow and expand their business. So, you know, this doesn't surprise me that there's a really, really great opportunity for you to, to continue to grow your business. Honestly, here's one thing I do with every new person I meet. And I'll, I'll just, you and I right. do it live for the people on this. Fantastic. 
So I want to introduce someone from my billion-dollar Rolodex, my gold-plated Rolodex to you. Who do you need to meet right now who would be a potentially good client for you or a potentially good resource? What are you dealing with right now in your life, in your business that you could use some help? I love that question. Like right now, we are absolutely crushing it. I can't think of, of, of somebody we need to meet. Well, like what we're always interested in is meeting more young, amazing students who want to be leaders. That's really the biggest thing I'm always about. So remember, remember what you just did, because that's really important. You had someone you always wanted to meet, but you first said, oh, we're doing great. Don't do that. Next time someone asks you, who do you need to meet? Say, I always look to meet great young people who want to be leaders. Yes. Lead with that. Yes. That other thing, you know what I call that? Verbal diarrhea. No offense, because what that does, <laughs> just think yeah. about this. Yeah. I offered to give you something, right? The first energy you threw at me was no. Your first energy yeah. when someone offers to give you something is yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. And it's very important to go. You always want to meet people. I I, I would be shocked absolutely. if you said, I don't ever need to meet anybody because that's not true. Yeah. You always yeah. want to meet people. No, because it's it's funny. No, I hear you. And there is something as well, by the way, this is really good to point out. And it's, and it's interesting live on a podcast or sort of live, <laughs> but it's real is, is that sometimes we turn people down, right? There was an example where, and I was kind of stuck with, I was thinking a lawyer or somebody big or somebody billion dollar Rolex, where it's like, no, what am I always looking for? We're always looking for young, amazing students. So, you know, do you, do you know any young, amazing students, Nikki, you know, from, you know, to some of your sons, I know they're in high school, maybe they're older, you know, friends who, who, who are, amazing young leaders. That's always what we're up to. It, it, so, so it's, it's interesting how I discredited that or, or didn't see that opportunity with that question. So I have a 14 year old son. He might be a little young for you, but he is too young. Yeah. What age are we, we, we talking about? We're university and college age, age students. So 18 to 22. So, um, two. Yes. I'll tell you my, uh, better half's niece is 19 years old. She's about okay. to go to college. She's been working for the last couple of years uh, in between. She is a leader waiting to happen. Now, she has some specific roles in life, but her name is Brianna Ray Clement. And um, okay. Brianna should meet you and you should meet Brianna. So write down her name. Fantastic. And reach out to me afterwards. <laughs> I'll well, make sure that you we will make that happen, Nikki. We will make that happen. So that's at least one that I know. And I bet you that if I sat down and went through some of my uh, some of my uh, network, I could probably come up with others. It's just at the uh, at the moment that's the one that immediately hit me. But me so that's it. number yeah. one. Number two is I'm going to ask you to ask me the same question because you have a billion dollar Rolodex too. Ask me who I need to meet. So who do you need to meet? Who could I help set set up, Nikki? Okay, fantastic. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one of three. If you run across okay. a man who's a business owner, whose wife has recently kicked him to the curb and has said, our marriage okay. is over and they have kids under the age of 18 and that man is hurting and drowning. He needs to meet me, honestly, <laughs> more than okay. I need to meet him. That's one. Yes. Second is anybody, you know, who owns a private clinical practice. So, so like a dentist, a chiropractor. Anybody who in particular owns a single one. I mean, not somebody who's got like three, four, five of them because those guys probably not, have not their, their stuff figured out. Although we'll yeah. probably be interested in talking to them from a training point of view, but, but I'll just say anyone who owns a clinical practice. And then finally, any entrepreneur right now who wants to grow and is looking for some outside uh, conversations like this one, powerful conversation to help them think differently, go to the next level. I'm always interested in talking to them. Do you know anybody in any of those categories? Well, yeah, no, I know. Well, well, I know the CEO of Ultima Dental, so I, I, I can introduce you to, to 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 Sven. But I'm sure there there are some other people in this uh, thing. So, isn't that fascinating? And what I loved that Nikki did is do it now. Don't stop. Do it now. And 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 both Nikki and I live that. I can just tell. Uh, Nikki's shown that 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 that's his that's his his thing. But it's just like, okay, what can you do now? to make an impact in your life? What can you do now to take an action that's going to make a difference? Because that's what's going to make a difference. If we're always doing that, our life's going to move forward. So just love that. Bingo. 
And the power of connecting, and that's, by the way, the title of my upcoming book that I'm writing with Kai Bjorn of BNI Canada, The Power of Connecting is the single most important thing that we as business leaders need to do. You need to be connecting with new people and you need to connect people with one another. Your job as a leader is to encourage other leaders to connect with each other. And you should always be looking for what is this person in my network dealing with? What problems have they not solved for themselves? You should care enough to want to understand what those problems are. They may not even know what those problems are. Those problems may still be very real, but they're just not conscious of them in that moment. They might think everything's going on. I'll give you an example. I have one of my coaches he coaches me in relationships, yeah. actually. He's a fantastic guy. Yeah. He's in his late 60s. I had a conversation with him. And, you know, I said, who do you need to meet? And, you know, he, he was looking to meet some new people like me who needed help. So I have a friend of mine who's a CFO. His last, the, the woman he was in relationship with, the last he was in love with her, she, she passed away a couple of years ago. He hasn't been able to really find a new relationship. And he's in his mid-60s and he kind of wants a good relationship. You know what I mean? Being alone in your mid-60s sure. kind of sucks, right? You bet. So I, I called this guy up and I said, look, I'm working with this guy. He's my relationship coach. I know you. I know that you want to be successful in relationship. Is this still an issue? Are you still struggling with this? Because I know he's dating. He says, yeah, I really am. Yeah. I said, I want you to meet Steve. That's it. I said, you need to meet Steve. Steve's going to help you. And so I said, give me a minute. I'm actually going to put the two of you on a phone call together. Like if I, if I care enough about the guy, that's what I'm going to do. Right. So yeah. why, why does Steve love this? Well, Steve gets an opportunity to have basically a client with a real need walk through the door for him. How cool is that? Absolutely. You'd love that crushing it or not crushing it. Someone walks in Absolutely. a client through the door for you. You'll take it. Right. And hundred percent. So Steve is crushing it. But Steve was very happy for the referral and they did business instantly. Like they talked, I got wow. off the phone. They texted me both within 20 minutes and said, we're working together. I'm like, whoa, that was quick. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Right. So then I go to Steve. I go, Steve, so what else in your life isn't working good? He goes, no, everything's great. My health is great. So here's the thing about when he said his health was great, right? Yes, exactly. The guy's got a little punch. Nobody who's getting a little punch, their health is great. Like, honestly, Yeah. Yes. Right. And here's the other thing. I love Steve, but Steve smokes a pack of cigarettes a day. I'm like, Steve, you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. Your health isn't great. Do you think maybe you should lose your punch and quit smoking? So, you know, he was taken aback. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't tell you I needed help with that. I go, I know you didn't, but I'm your friend and I care about you. And I'm not going to let you BS yourself by pretending something's good when it really isn't. And I'm telling you, Chris, if you got a leader in your life, it doesn't matter if your relationship is just business. If you care about this person yeah. and you see something is not right and they're ignoring it, shame on you if you don't bring it to their attention. Yeah. There's no integrity in that. There's no that like like are you being kind? Are you being loving? Like no, you're not. You know, you're you're you're, you're not. And in, it, it it's it shows when they said Oh yeah, my 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 health's great. You know, if they brought that up, like they're really looking for you to step in and and provide some coaching and provide some wisdom. So I just I just love it. I just love it. And and again, it's you know really um, you've taken uh, some real world stuff that you use in your in your business every day and put it onto the podcast. First time that's happened for us here in the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. So I just love it. So in terms of one of the things we love to talk about here, because they just so often happen in the real world, what about failures or mistakes that you've made and, and how you've turned those around? So brother, I have failures and mistakes that I've made in my life and I have failures and mistakes that, that are happening right now. <laughs> so right. Uh, <laughs> let me be transparent <laughs> about a bit of both. I mean, my marriage failed and sure. I, I messed up and, and you know, my, my kids now have to shuttle between two homes. I consider that a failure. Right. You know, uh, I wanted them to have one home for the rest of their lives. Now, we have a great relationship, my ex and I. Right. We've actually taken the kids on vacation together a couple of times, which is wonderful stuff. Right. There's no question that's a failure. And what did I learn from that? I learned that family is important to me. And I also learned that I can help other men avoid this fate. It's one of the reasons I like to work with men who are going through the 
the hell of their wife saying they don't want to be with them anymore, especially men who are fathers. Yeah. I, I've done this yeah. as a volunteer. I've, I've taken men to counselors. I've taken men to do men's work. But if they're in business in particular, I want to make sure they don't lose everything, man, because they could lose yeah. everything. Like I've seen huge. it happen. Buddy, yeah. You, yeah. trust me. I guarantee you, now that I've told you this, in the next three months, there will be someone in your You'll world. You'll know someone who you will find yeah. out about who are, are going through this. And yeah. the biggest favor you can do for them, honestly, and this has come- Is refer you. Is refer oh, me because it will, it will potentially save their life. I had a guy who was going to kill himself, okay? And not to get morbid, but no. kill himself. And we saved yeah. this guy from killing himself. His kids have a father because he didn't go alone in that hell that was his head. And that, yeah. you, no. you, you got to do that, man. You got to do that. I have two two close friends or, uh, you know, off the top of my head who right up against the brink of bankruptcy, uh, you know, and really it wasn't just, you know, through the divorce courts or such. It's it's leaving different decisions that they made because they weren't in the proper space, you know, not making the right business decisions as they were CEOs of the, their business and just just had they had they been. Uh, properly coached, and I have two good friends who actually made really good decisions and managed to 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 go down. But it's very very difficult uh, uh, challenges. And like you, Nikki, you know, having good relationships with their exes because hey, when you're in a relationship, you're in the relationship for the rest of your life. So it's like you have kids together, you are partners. Period. You know, so so it's it's understanding that, owning it. And being 100% responsible for that. And, and again, that's something to be admired. And it's, again, it's something to be admired about your ex-wife as well, that she recognizes that and sees that, you know, that, hey, this matters. So what about, um, you know, as you went from a university student to a full-time value creator in the real world, what do you need to change about yourself? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it was a wake-up call for me to transition from university to the real world because I was successful in university. I uh, graduated from Georgetown University with my master's degree with a 385 GPA. You know, um, mm -hmm. I rocked it in school. When I got in the real world, right. I was not rocking it. I didn't even know which way was up. Right. The first thing I had to do was really try to figure out what I wanted to do with the real <laughs> world. And I would highly encourage anybody in school right now to start thinking about that now. I'm reading a really incredible book by a fellow Persian. His name is Patrick Beth David. He he does the Valuetainment podcast. Okay. And he talks inside of this about this thing he calls a personal identity audit. And in the back of this book, there are 25 questions in this personal identity audit. So let me read a couple of them to you. Okay. One of them was, how do you think the world views you? The second one is, how do you view yourself? The third is, how's the public you different from the private you? The fourth one is, what conditions produce the best version of you, the version of you who competes and gets the best results? So there's a multiple choice, competition, fear of loss, a setback, a victory, having someone believe in you, a point to prove. Now, I won't go through the whole thing, but you get the sense of this. I think everybody should go through this when they're in university. You need to know yourself, become aware of yourself. Like, do not go into the corporate world if that's not how you're wired. If you're wired to be yeah. like, I wish I had gone into business for myself right away. Like that's, right. if I had been self-aware enough to take that step, that would have been great. The other thing is I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to write books. Now I've written some books and self-published them, but I, I was too scared to fully follow through on that. And I wish I had. Oh, and now okay. I, I've written some books and I'm, I'm writing another book and I'll be writing more books. But to me, it's really important to know who you are and what drives you and what's going to really truly give you fulfillment and happiness and do that. And then as a business person, and everybody should be a business person in the world today, is you need to figure out what's going to give you enough money that you're going to be taken care of. You know, for me, I would think about creating businesses that will leave legacies for myself and my, my extended family and, and generational wealth, if you will. That's our job is to right. start thinking in those ways. And I want to set my kids up to be able to do way better than, than I did. You know, right. I, I look at myself right now and I had a goal of always being a millionaire when I was a kid. Right. Right. And I just recently did a, uh, an evaluation of all my assets 
I'm a millionaire. I didn't even know that. I'm a freaking millionaire. It's great. It's great. I'm like, cool. Way to go, Nikki. Awesome. Right? Now I'm like, okay, the next goal is to be worth at least $10 million, right? So let's go to be right. worth $10 million. And then from there, let's see what the next goal is going to be. Everybody should have these goals in mind. Everybody should set themselves up so they can be financially free to the greatest extent possible for them. I don't believe in people who say, well, maybe you're not wired for business. Yeah, maybe you're not wired for business. Maybe you shouldn't be an entrepreneur, but you should be wired for creating financial freedom for yourself. Everybody can do that. For sure. You can be an employee and still end your career as a multimillionaire. There's no reason for you not to do that. I agree. We are aligned on that. And so one thing that you talked about is, is personal development and personal awareness. So what tracks did you use to sort of understand Nikki better, get really to the core of you? So I read a lot of books. Like um, okay. there's a website called goodreads.com. So it lets you track all the books that you read. There's annual reading challenges. So if you read books, go to goodreads.com, register. And Chris, you should register. We should become friends on Goodreads and recommend books to each other. It's really, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend goodreads.com. So read a lot of books. Secondly, courses. So when I was 21 years old, I did my first major personal development course. It was called the Silva Mind Control Method here in Toronto. It taught me about meditation and manifestation. It was fantastic. And from there, I did a whole bunch of courses with that organization. I did neuro-linguistic programming. I've done the Landmark Forum, the Landmark Advanced course. I've done Tony Robbins, many of Tony Robbins' courses. I've done a lot of Robin Sharma's courses. I've done courses with Brendan Bouchard. Um, I also did the courses uh, with uh, Justin Sterling for relationship. The more courses that have you be introspective you do, the more you'll get to know yourself. But nothing beats meditating, sitting down with a journal. I got a journal. I journal every day. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to be journaling when you and I are finished today. Mm -hmm. And it's important to, to pour out what's in you onto the page because that'll help you know yourself. Writing to yourself will help you know yourself. Neil Donald Walsh got to know himself and become a multimillionaire from doing conversations with God where he just started writing yes. out that conversation in longhand and on paper. It's a beautiful thing. We yeah. can all have that conversation with God. Yeah. No, and getting, being aware of actually what you're thinking and, 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 and meditation helps with that as well. Obviously you have a regular meditation habit, so do I, it makes all the difference to really get, be aware of, again, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Right. And that's, again, another thing I'm sure, you know, the, your, your programs have worked on and, and, and so many of the courses Nikki uh, was referring to, I have done as well. And, and they're just, you know, remarkable. And it's like, start the path for our young leaders listening. So final question, Nikki, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I'm cautiously optimistic for them. I'm excited for them because they live in the greatest time in history to create success. Yeah, um, they do. They do. And the opportunities today are incredible. I mean, using your telephone, you can create a business. I mean, that's incredible to me. That wasn't possible when you and I started off in our careers. I mean, you're 57, I'm 53. Yeah. So, you know, those are, those are some things that just weren't possible. So I think that's fantastic. We also have more millionaires in the world than we ever have had before. I think there are yeah. close to 10 million millionaires in North America alone, which is a fantastic thing. I have a vision I call it hashtag billion millionaires. I want to help create a billion millionaires, you know, in my lifetime. If we do that, we're going to create a fantastic constituency for capitalism and free enterprise. And I think that's important. But I also say to the young leaders of today, you need to be aware right now that there are forces out there in the world which don't want success for all of us. There are forces out there that are pushing a lie that capitalism is wrong and bad and evil. Capitalism and free enterprise are the voluntary exchange of goods and services and of ideas. Socialism is coercion. Socialism is theft. Socialism is death. You all need to understand socialism is the greatest evil in the world today. They're trying to feed your mind with crap that there's anything good about it. And the young leaders of tomorrow need to stand up for freedom, need to stand up for the values that made this country great, made Western civilization great, because business leaders in the future are going to not only need to be leaders in business, they're going to need to be leaders in society and leaders for our way of life. And it's very important that we don't let the liars, the charlatans out there, the political charlatans that are looking 
to take away our birthright of freedom and, and put a lie out there that this great country, Canada, isn't tolerant, that it's somehow racist. Canada is not a racist nation. Canada is the most tolerant nation in the history of the world. I'm from the Middle East. I'm an ethnic refugee, a potential ethnic cleansing. Believe me, I know what real racism is. And what's going on in Canada over here right now is people are pretending that that's a real thing, and it is not. What is real is we love each other, we care about each other, and this nation, this great country has been all about caring for people from different backgrounds, from different sexual orientations, from different countries, and telling them we're all Canadians, we all have an opportunity to be great and to live the life we're supposed to lead. And I just want to implore the young, seize this opportunity and stand up for the greatness of Canada. Between now and the time that the torch fully passes on to you, you have an opportunity to expand on this freedom or see it recede forever. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The great Ronald Reagan said that. And it's very important that the young understand this and fight for freedom. Well, I, I love I love your passion. I love your commitment. And one thing as well is, is this isn't my piece. It's uh, Dan Sullivan's. But capitalism was named by its detractors. And so, so capitalism isn't a, a great name for what actually it is, is, is capitalism is, is trading with strangers. How to effectively trade with strangers is really what it is. So it's like, I can give money to somebody and they can give money. We can pass goods and services and we don't know each other. That allows for, again, growth, win-win. Uh, uh, like, What did Nikki and I talk about today? Nikki and I, this is our second conversation. It's how to help each other. How is that bad, right? Like, like you know, so so it's like, and and I know we're not, we're, you know, with our leaders listening, you know, people are already, you know, understand or, or getting to understand the economy, getting understand, you know, how the world works. But it's under, it's it's really important to understand that, again, you know, personal growth, personal freedom. These are really, really great things. And, and, and again, Nikki stands up for those things. Those are things that we all believe in. And it is really important. Sometimes people talk in, in, in language that they're trying to get ideas across that really don't support everybody's personal growth and personal freedom uh, so that everybody can, can, can support. And that's not saying, obviously, as well, Nikki and I both believe we want to support everyone and everybody's you know, all the different parts of our society, of course, as, as, as Nikki alluded to. You so. know what? We don't even need to have to say that because honestly, it's, it's the forces of darkness that, that make us need to say that because they want to try to divide yes. us. The average person I meet on the street. Of course we do. And, and run into now virtually, but back in the past at events. Yes. <laughs> they are right. all like Canadians are so diverse, man. And it's part of our greatness. It's part of our strength. I meet someone from is. Ethiopia, man, and I love Ethiopian food. So we talk about Kitfo and Injira bread for 20 minutes before <laughs> we got down to business. And that's part of connecting with somebody at a human level, right? And I met somebody who just came out as gay. My best friend came out as gay to me when he was, you know, 20 years, 15 years after we started being friends. He was shaking like a leaf when he did it, man. And I, I felt so bad for him. And he said, I was afraid you weren't going to be my friend anymore because you're such like a, he says, man, you're such a tough, macho guy. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm a teddy bear. He goes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. You know, I was still scared, yeah. man. And I just like, I hugged my buddy, you know, and I told him, man, I love you. It's yeah. all good. You are who you are, man. The fact that, you know, who you choose to have sex with, that's your business, man. You're my friend. Yeah. You know, I love you. You're a great, great human being. And this guy, man, like I, this, you know, sadly, he, 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 he was, he was all messed up around this and he eventually ended up taking his own life. Okay. And this wasn't oh, the, the reason he did it, but, but, you know, it contributed to the fact that he, he just felt like he couldn't be himself. And that's a horrible thing, you know, and, and I want to have a world where everybody feels they can be themselves, man. Like I want to be myself. I'm listen, here's my quirks. I'm a knife collector. I love knives. You see this, this is a zero tolerance hinderer 562. It's a beautiful knife. Right. It's a gorgeous knife. I got 60 different knives from <laughs> knives collectors. I've interviewed about seven or eight of these manufacturing titans in the knife industry because I love knives. And I thought it was kind of cool to get to interview people who otherwise I wouldn't be able to meet. I think this is really cool. This is a part of my craziness. You know, I'm a Persian guy who writes poetry. That's how I won my woman's heart. I wrote her a poem a day for 30 days. And then I turned it into a little. Awesome. I turned it into a little book. <laughs> I called it. Uh, I, I called this book. 
love poems for Teresa or how I won her heart, man. And I mean, that's the kind of thing that here, I'm, I'm going to show you the book because it's, 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 uh, oh, never mind. I can't pull it up right now, but it's, it, don't worry. It just show it shows, it shows such a commitment, right? Like, it's like, no, I'm committed to this and I'm just, I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay committed. So what a great conversation, uh, Nikki. Thank you, man. So thank you very much for jumping on our podcast today and sharing your wisdom, sharing your passion with our young leaders. I know it's made a difference. Buddy, <laughs> it was a real honor being here and it was a lot of fun, man. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully these guys will uh, listen to what I had to say and my quirky uh, personality uh, points wouldn't have turned them off too much. <laughs> I, I hope not. I hope, I hope everyone gets who you are as a, a passionate leader and thought leader. So again, uh, keep up the amazing work and we will talk soon. Looking forward to my man. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.